1: Welcome to Woke AF with me, Danielle Moody. The last few months have seen an explosion of performative outrage from conservative media over what they are calling critical race theory. While critical race theory is indeed a decades-old academic movement, the term has recently been weaponized by the right to dismiss any honest analysis of America's racist foundation that they want to whitewash or just completely ignore. And yet, right now couldn't be a more perfect time to teach Americans about the history of racism and how we can all do a better job of combating it in our society, which of course is why conservatives doth protest so much. White people love talking about how they're not racist, but what if I told you it's not enough to simply not be racist, that you must in fact be actively anti-racist. That is the argument made by Ibram X. Kendi, director of the Center for Anti-Racist Research at Boston University and the author of the book appropriately titled How to Be Anti-Racist. He also has a new podcast simply titled Be Anti-Racist, and he joined me on my podcast last week, which you can support right now at patreon.com slash to talk all about anti-racism and the myriad of ways he is spreading the good word about this necessary practice. Ibram, we're at a time in our country following the murder that we all witnessed of George Floyd, the murders of Breonna Taylor, of Ahmaud Arbery, the list goes on and on and on. 2020 was a cataclysm of events around race, racism. I mean, we saw phone calls to the police for people that are bird watching. We saw, you know, so much, and it seems like it's unrelenting. How do you describe your work and then the necessity not to just say, I'm not racist, but to actively be anti-racist. What does that mean to you? And why at this important point, I believe in our history, is it necessary that we change the narrative from I'm not racist to actively being anti-racist? Well,
0: first, I'm happy that we're able to, to have this, this conversation. And thank you for, for bringing me onto, the, onto your show. I think it's important for us to, to start from a basic truth. And, and it's a basic truth that is under attack, just like truth itself right now. And that, that basic truth is that we live in a nation of racial disparities and inequities and injustices all around us. Whether it's black people being disproportionately incarcerated, whether that's native being native people being disproportionately killed from COVID nineteen, whether that's you know black women dying at higher rates from pregnancy uh, than, than than white women, whether that's you know latinx people being disproportionately impoverished, and on and on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so the status quo is racial inequity.
1: Yep.
0: And the fundamental question of our time is, why do these inequities exist? And there's two answers. Uh, one answer is because of racism, systemic or structural racism. The other answer is because there's something wrong with those people on the mm-hmm. dying or lower end. And, and so if the status quo is inequity, And the cause of that inequity is racism. To do nothing in the face of a status quo is to allow that status quo to persist. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: and so literally to not do anything while black people are being enslaved, to to not do anything while while native folks are uh, being uh, mass murdered, to, to, to not do anything while Latinx people are being mass deported, what's gonna happen? It's going to only continue, right? And 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 indeed, uh, slaveholders wanted people in Chicago or Boston, where I live, to do nothing, because mm-hmm. that to do nothing was a form of complicity. And I, I that's one of the things. So I've been trying to get the American people and really people around the world to realize that there's really only two options. You know, either we're being racist by allowing the status quo to persist by our active uh, championing of it or by doing nothing in the face of it, or we are actively challenging racism and thereby being anti-racist.
1: You know, I think that where where I find issue, where I find myself some days where it feels like I'm screaming into the ether Mm -hmm. is that... We are still, I feel, at a point where we are trying to convince white Americans that racism actually exists. That we are still at a point where it ta- it took watching a black man have the life squeezed out of him for nine minutes and twenty nine seconds in public, in broad daylight, for folks. In every state of this country to actively protest for black lives and then understand that by the time the fall came, steam had run out and the polls had started to change in terms of where people were falling, where white people were falling on their commitment to really not just articulating that black lives matter, but actively doing something to say that black lives matter. We just this past this this month, recognize the hundred year anniversary remembrance of the massacre that happened in Tulsa, and it was considered an extraordinary feat for the first president of the United States to actually visit Tulsa and to call it what it was—a massacre and not a riot. So, if we are, st- I mean, it was a hundred years. And we're still just getting to a place where a majority of people in this country didn't even know that that occurred. And not only that that occurred, but that that wasn't an anomaly. So if all of these things are true, it's like and we're still at this point of convincing. You know, I'm just wondering how we get to a place where we're actively working against this system when I have to make you believe that the system actually exists and is, was meant to purposefully work against marginalized people?
0: That's the fundamental challenge. And, and let me say, I, I think not to overly generalize um, white people, mm-hmm. but there, I suspect there were some white people who saw this horrific murder of, of, of George Floyd on their laptops, you know, on their phones, like, like black folks did. And like other folks did. And they felt horrible. Uh, some may have even felt guilty. They heard about a nearby demonstration and they decided to go to that local demonstration because indeed there was demonstrations against police brutality and racism in almost every county in this country
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and so then they went to that demonstration and that demonstration had speakers had had signs that were you know uh, that and the experience you know was one that that allowed them to feel better so then they went home, mm-hmm. and you know the only, only thing that changed were their feelings, mm. and 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 then you had other white folks, uh, who were mass and have been mass manipulated by by Trump, and and other um, Republicans and even other you know Democrats really. Um, and and it sort of causes me to think. I don't know if you remember one of Malcolm X's great speeches when he was talking to black folks, and he was like, "Uh, uh, you know, who taught you to hate yourself? Yes, or, you've been hoodwinked,
1: mm-hmm. you've been had, you've been led yep. astray.
0: Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, you've had, you know, you you had the forces of racism, the very powerful forces of racism. You know, some very powerful officials." who with a growing awareness among white people that racist power, racist policies and practices, that structural racism was a problem, they were like, whoa, people are gonna start looking at us and our policies and our rhetoric as the problem. No, 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 no. I need to clap back and say, no, 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 we are not the problem. Voter suppression policies aren't a problem. Uh, The ability for police officers to essentially uh, you know execute people at will with no accountability based on bills that I passed uh, are not the problem those people who are demonstrating against racism are the real problem those black people uh, who are describing white people and other people as racist are the real problem and 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 so then people by the end of the summer as you stated and certainly by this time are like whoa well maybe, People like George Floyd um, uh, were not the victims. Maybe they are the problem. And and so now we're in this period in which we're still arguing, what is the problem? Is it systemic racism or the people who are are identifying systemic racism as the problem? And so you've had so many Americans that have been misled into believing Nicole Hannah-Jones is the problem as opposed to the problems she pointed out in our historical memory over
1: 1619 and slavery. We always say to ourselves, right. And that racism will die out. Right. I I can't tell you how many times over the course of my life that I've heard that, you know, when the old racists die, right. (laughs) Everything, everything, some, some type of utopia is going to descend on America and I I say this on woke AF all the time because I'm a former educator for early childhood education. And one of the reasons I went into education was for the sheer fact that our public education system is the biggest perpetuator of white supremacy, that it is. is not, it is, it is not a, a, a marker, a genetic marker that is passed down right through family. It is something that is actively taught We actively decide who the classics are, right? Who the innovators are, who the leaders should be. And so when I see this pushback and not pushback, an essential decimation of the 1619 Project being taught in schools, people be threatening to lose funding if you decide, if you even utter the word, utter the phrase 1619 Project, that they are going to take away funding um, from schools. I, I just have to ask you, like, where do you go from there if, we're not, if we can't even agree upon the truth, if we can't even agree upon the fact that, you know, when, when Joe Biden was in Tulsa, he said in his speech, you know, great nations face their dark, their dark periods, right? They don't try and run away from it. And yet this nation has consistently run away from and denied and gaslit the population into believing that it doesn't exist that there is no problem. And so how do you how do you grow from there? How do you activate from there when the purpose of denying this body of work and just any critical conversations around race are to make white kids continue to be force fed the lie of american exceptionalism.
0: That is just so important and that's the type of question we should be asking and and, and thinking about because you know even like even the term woke itself people are are viewing it in a so sort of uh pejorative sense when you know last I checked I think it's important for human beings to walk through life awake Mm -hmm. (laughs) What, what 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 whites what what racist ideas do what what teaching on white supremacy does to white children, let alone children of color or everyone. What, what it does to white children is it creates a scenario which they walk through life asleep. You know, because th- if you you know if you're an American today saying things like systemic racism doesn't exist, then what you as a white American. Uh, Perceive is that the cause of all these racial inequities and disparities that we talked about earlier is not this the result of systemic racism. So and it must be because of the inferiorities or superiorities of racial groups. So you walk through life uh not actually awake to reality, <laughs> and then you even assess your own life story through uh you know, this, these myths, see, you can't even understand the times in which you survived, uh, you know, police b- violence because you were white or the ways in which you had access to capital. And so you just believe I'm just the greatest person yep. on earth. <laughs> um, And if only those Black folks would work as hard as me. So you, you have an individual that doesn't even able to understand their own sort of standing in the world, nor the standing of white people in the world, nor the sort of reality of, of racism in the world. And then this is what's crucial. If you don't teach white children and even adults about racist ideas, about racist policies, and you convince them that everything is equal, then you are able to easily manipulate them. You're able to be a billionaire and say to white working class men, I am your defender. I'm going Mm. to push policies that help you. And then you're able to get into office, not do anything to help those working class white men. And then you're able to 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 maintain and if anything, grow their support, even as their own economic conditioning is worsening. And, and that is essentially what happens. So white folks are so easily manipulated based on their racist ideas. But when they're taught um, and they begin to see those racist ideas and even the privileges and they adopt a the more anti-racist perspective, they're no longer able to be manipulated by, 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 by elected officials like Donald Trump.
1: That is indeed the point. And it's so like how... Do you, through your work, right, through your, um, your new podcast, how will you continue to unpack that truth that racism is and, and, and the, the system of white supremacy built in this country is really about mass manipulation, as you have said. It is really about if you have young people in schools, because I'll go back to the education piece, begin to question why there is inequity, why certain things are the way that they are. Why? Like, you know, I I have friends that will talk to me, white friends that will talk to me about, you know, their great grandparents that passed down wealth, homes, businesses, this, that, and the other thing. Oh, their family legacy. Right. And that they've been able to then benefit from and build off of. And I'm saying to myself, of course you were. Right. Because, their businesses weren 't burned down. they were able to get loans in the first place they weren 't run out of town. they were able to get loans to buy homes to build you know to build businesses and so if you don 't see that it isn't laziness it isn't it isn 't this idea that we have created this stereotype around black people that it really is these policies and these systems if you don 't get folks to question, then they continue to perpetuate it i 'm just if we're still at a point of questioning reality, it's like are we losing? <laughs> like are we are we how how are we how how do we win? What what does that what does that look like? Winning more people over to recognizing that it's not enough to not be racist or oh, I don't say racist things.
0: I actually think that we have a governing majority of people who recognize racism is a problem and, but within that majority you, so for instance, you have black men who are like, yes, racism is a problem, but they can't really recognize its intersection with sexism. So they then they're perpetuating that, or you could have a white person who says, yes, racism theoretically is a problem. um, And it's a problem as it relates to environmental racism, you know, educational inequities is a problem but now we can't rethink public safety, right? And and so you you have people who who don't understand, or I should say, aren't recognizing the connections um, or have racist ideas when it comes to one racial group and anti-racist ideas when it comes to another racial group and and Mm -hmm. reject the racist ideas about their own group and accept the racist ideas about others. And, and don't realize that they are actually reinforcing what they claim to be battling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and again, I, again, I want to sort of emphasize that, you know, as a man of color, you know, especially coming after a 2020 election where a growing number of men of color compared to 2016 voted for Donald Trump uh, on this pretext that he somehow was going to free them. Right. And so, I think there, there is, a, there is a, a, a number of people who are, have some level of awareness, but I think we have to get them to really connect the dots and also get them to be self-reflective and self-critical. There are too many white liberals who are just focused on, uh, let's say, white conservatives as the problem and don't mm-hmm. want to look in the mirror about how they may be reinforcing racism.
1: You know, one of the, the many speeches, but one of the things that, I've, that has always stuck out to me about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King was the warning about white moderates. Yeah. The, the, I mean, because I, I find that that warning is something that we don't really take as an alarm. You know, right now we have a majority in Congress, you know, we have the White House, and yet we can't manage to pass a voting rights Bill that is going to sustain our democracy. We are a ticking time bomb as a country with, I don't know, roughly two and a half years left, right? Before <laughs> yeah. before fascism completely descends. And so I, I just I guess my question to you, you know, my, my final question to you is <laughs> knowing that truth, like, do you have a, a level of hopefulness? About where we are going and the direction that we are going in, we have over 348 voter suppression bills that have been rolled out in 47 states, passed in 14, that are all about curbing the rights of people of color to be able to vote. And you had a man, member of the Texas legislature that said, well, if it wasn't for our voting suppression bills in Texas— Texas would have gone for Biden. Literally. Said the quiet part out loud. Um, so are you hopeful? Do you have hope? Because I I you know my listeners know that I struggle with that on a regular basis. Um, so I'm curious.
0: So I, I think that it is a very, very difficult sort of time as, as you just described. I mean, literally, the Republican Party. Is, is gearing up to if their candidate loses in the 2024 election, that they essentially would not be willing to consummate uh, Biden's re-election. Like, that's where everything is headed towards. Mm-hmm. And again, that's if they're able to, to lose as a result of this series of voter suppression policies, which they're probably the favorites, uh, because of the voter suppression, uh, and because of even Democrats sniping sort of at each other, uh, specifically centrists claiming that progressives uh, uh, and, and other, particularly Black activists, somehow lost, uh, you know, the the you know seats for for Democrats, um, and telling people to quote tone it down, uh, <laughs> to so that they can, you know keep Congress or, or regain the presidency. And, and there's just this constant telling, particularly young people of color, to wait, tone it down. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, how long are we going to wait? You know, I, I don't, as a, I know as a young Black male, that any day when I walk outside and a police car passes me by could be my last. Uh, and, and so, like, I think there's a certain level of urgency. but But ultimately, in terms of hope, I'm hopeful, not necessarily because of what's happening in society or what's not happening in society. I'm hopeful from a philosophical standpoint that Mm. I believe you have to believe change is possible, radical change is possible in order to bring it about. And and, and so that's really why I maintain hope. And then as an historian, you know, and especially as a descendant, you know, as 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 a Black American, as a descendant of enslaved people, and you you, you know, Black folks have in this country have done the impossible time and again, uh, and and you know, I think we can, especially those of us who, you know, and Black folks are really have always been leading the anti-racist sort of movement. Uh, you know, I think we can do the impossible again.
1: I hope that you are right, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for the work that you do, for the writings that you do, the teachings um, that you do, because I, I, I want to believe that we can do the impossible. Abolishing slavery was considered impossible, exactly. right? Like uh, uh, America's first black president was considered impossible. Having a woman vice president that is uh, a woman of color was considered impossible and we've done those things um so i i hope my my hope is that your work will continue to open up people's lo- eyes so that they stop walking around half asleep um please <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> please tell folks um some of the guests that are coming up on your on your podcast that they are going to be able to wow get.
0: i mean we have a just an incredible lineup of you know Robin D G Kelly uh, Julian Castro Jamel Hill uh, we have uh, Miriam Kava uh, we, we, we we have Heather McGee uh, Rebecca Coakley
1: friends uh, of mine
0: <laughs> David Truer uh, yeah we I mean you know we, we have a great lineup of folks and and obviously each of them are experts about different sort of forms or areas or sectors of racism. And I'm really excited to dig deep with each of them in these different areas.
1: The importance of anti-racism cannot be overstated in an era in which the right is pushing back against programs like the 1619 Project and the boogeyman of critical race theory. We need to defend these necessary educational programs while also practicing anti-racism in our own lives and teaching those around us about the urgent benefits of being anti-racist. To hear more from Ibram, do check out his podcast, Be Anti-Racist. And to hear more from me, you can support me on Patreon. $5 a month gets you access to hundreds of shows, including five brand new hour-long shows in your feed every single week. Head over to patreon.com slash now and subscribe. We have had so many woke guests in the last few months that I have been excited to learn from and share with the woke AF nation power to the people and to all the people power get woke and stay woke as fuck.
0: If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.
1: With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you.